0: Book of Psalms, the first psalm. It's good to be here tonight with First Baptist Church, and we have a great love for this church. I've spent most of my ministry connected with this church, and I thank you for everything that you've done and meant to us over the years. We'll read the first psalm and then we'll have a brief word of prayer. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor setteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night I asked Calvin if he'd go and give me some water. So see, there he now, is. For you go. Thank open. you, Calvin. I feel self conscious doing this, but as I've told you before, for some reason with Parkinson's you don't have thirst. And I'll get up to preach and I'll feel real shaky and I realize I hadn't had but a couple of sups of water all day. I'd like to speak to you tonight on the subject, is the Bible enough? Is the Bible enough? People have all sorts of ideas. One of the things that has been very popular in the last several decades is the charismatic movement and the uh, emphasis on speaking in tongues and having prophecy in the church, having the word of wisdom operate. And that brings us again to the question, is the Bible enough? Well, we read in this first psalm that the blessed man is the man that delights in the law of the Lord day and night. And it says of that man, he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so we could really stop there. That pretty much answered the question, is the Bible enough? Well, it's enough to make you who the Bible calls blessed or happy. It's enough uh, to make you fruitful spiritually even into old age. But we want to look at some other things that uh, fit in with this theme, is the Bible enough? First of all, we would gather that the Bible is enough when we look at God's plan of revelation. I was writing a little study and I made this outline. This outline is an outline of God's plan of revelation. First of all, we have origination. The Bible, the Word of God, originated in the mind of the Father. I really uh, can't explain all that that means. But uh, the Bible attributes the origination of God's word to the Father. And it says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And so the origination of the word of God. Then we have the revelation of what God originated through Jesus Christ, the Son. Jesus is called the word. He's called the light of the world. He's called the truth. Just as he is the one who is our high priest who redeemed us by his blood on the cross, so he is the one who is the word, the one who re- revealed the word of God to us. So origination came through the Father. Revelation to, uh, came through the Son. He is the one that revealed the truth of God's word. Then inspiration, the apostles who followed Christ and were taught by Christ were inspired by the uh, Holy Spirit that they might remember the word of God as it was taught to them and that they might teach it and defend it and proclaim it. Then there was inscripturation. The word of God was placed in writing. The Bible says in the Old Testament in the volume of the book, it uh, was written of thee and I think of uh, where the Lord said uh, to John write and so the word of God is inscripturated and certainly uh, we need a book our memories are such that without a book we'd uh, certainly forget many things and then authentication the apostles and prophets in our Lord Jesus Christ they did miracles and signs authenticating themselves as messengers of God and messengers of God's word. Then there's illumination. Illumination is not part of the Bible, but illumination is something the Holy Spirit does in our hearts so that we might understand the Bible. Illumination is not the revelation of new doctrine or new truths. It's something that God uh, does in us that we can appreciate and profit from the word of God. You take, for instance, uh, if you were very thirsty and you saw a watermelon and uh, it didn't mean anything to you, you'd never seen a watermelon before. But it was cold and it was cut open, you took a bite of it, that's illumination. You not only know what it looks like, now you know what it does and what it feels like. And then there is proclamation. This word that originated in the mind of the Father was revealed through Christ. The spirit of the apostles were inspired and they put it into writing. It was authenticated by signs and wonders. The hearts of men are illumined that they might understand. And then the word of God is proclaimed. Now, before we go too far, we might ask the question, What is the Bible? What is the Bible? Well, first of all, the Bible comes in two parts. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And in order to understand the Bible, we have to understand that the Bible has come in two parts. Uh, I wrote again a little outline here. In the Bible, we have in the Old Testament, preparation. And the New Testament, realization. In the Old Testament, prophecy. and the New Testament, fulfillment. In the Old Testament, type. In the New Testament, antitype. In the Old Testament, we have the Old Covenant. In the New Testament, the New Covenant. In the Old Testament, we have the Old Testament scriptures, Genesis through Malachi. In the New Testament, we have the New Testament scriptures, Matthew through Revelation. And then uh, Moses and the old testament and jesus and the new testament so the bible is a two-part revelation now if you have a two-part revelation and jesus is number two what do you got left nothing jesus is god's final word Uh, There's two parts. Christ is the second part, so he is the final uh, word of God. In the Bible, you have history and teaching. And uh, the Bible and Christianity itself are different than other religions in that it deals with actual uh, historical events, not just philosophy, but events and the interpretation of those events. We must use the Bible correctly uh, that it will be enough Uh, for us some people use the bible superstitiously like back in the old days if somebody was dying they'd lay a bible on their chest now the only thing that's going to do is make it hard to breathe Uh, that's just silly that's just superstitious some people flip the bible open and whatever verse their eyes land on they read it and then they say that's god's message to me the bible is god's message to you but not in that way that, again, is a superstitious use of the Bible. But in the Bible, we have precepts, we have laws, we have priorities, we have gospel, we have law, uh, we have uh, explanations of doctrine. And so the Bible is like any other book in that it's not written to be used in a superstitious manner, but it's written to be studied, prayed over, and understood And when we use the Bible in that way, we'll find out that it is enough. The Bible claims to be enough. This is so important, I'm going to ask you to turn there. Look, if you will, in 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. And I want to read verse 14 through 17. Now, remember, we're asking ourselves the question, is the Bible enough? Well, notice how Paul answers that question. Second Timothy 3 and verse 14, Paul says to the young preacher, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, uh, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, that from a child thou, thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now what's the Bible sufficient for? Your salvation. Did you notice what it said? From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. What message do you need in order to be saved? This book is able to make you wise unto salvation. Then notice this, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, that means mature, complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so what is the Bible sufficient for? It's sufficient for you to be saved by its message. It's sufficient for you to serve God acceptably and in a correct way and to do the things that a a person who's a Christian ought to do. Now, let me ask you this. If the Bible is sufficient for your salvation and if the Bible is sufficient for your Christian life and your service, what more do you need as a Christian? Is there anything else that you have need of? Well, no. It tells us how to be saved. It tells us how to serve God. Uh, In those two areas, you have everything That a Christian could need. And the Bible is sufficient. It's able to make thee wise unto salvation. And it's able to. uh, See that you're thoroughly furnished. Unto all good works. So the Bible. Is enough. The Bible is enough. For. Guidance in our life. And Psalm. Psalm 119. And verse 105. This is a. A very uh, common verse. Psalm 119 verse 105, the scripture says, Thy word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. I've heard people say, well, the Bible's enough for doctrine, but when it comes to the Christian life, we need uh, more instruction. We need to to be able to hear from God and him tell us precisely what we're to do. Well, notice what the 105th verse said. Thy word is a lamp under my feet and a light unto my path. David believed that the word of God was enough. It was enough to show you how you ought to live and what you ought to do. And so the Bible claims to be enough. Then let me say that Jesus is enough. You say, well, I thought you were talking about the Bible is enough. The Bible is the word of God as it came to us through Christ. He's the word. He brings us the word. He's the truth. He's the light. You know, in the holy city, New Jerusalem, uh, it says the lamb was the light. Well, the lamb is the light now. Uh, to his churches and to his people. And the Bible is uh, the record of God's word brought to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is enough. Let me read some other scriptures that demonstrate this. In Hebrews 1, the Bible says in verse 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto our fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his word. Now, you notice in the Old Testament, God, who at sundry times spoke in times past uh, by the prophets to our fathers, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Jesus Christ is God's final word. You see that, in that the dignity of a messenger uh, is a a test of how final that message is. Well, in Mark twelve, Jesus gave a gave a parable, and he said, in that parable, it talked about a man that was uh, had sent to the people that were working his land for the crop, and. They wouldn't give it to him. And the man said, It says, Last of all, he sent his son. When Jesus Christ came as the Word of God, as the great teacher, there is no one greater that could have been sent. And there's no one to be sent after Jesus. Uh, Jesus, again, is God's final Word. I think of a, sometimes I. I'll tell an illustration that I've made up that's kind of silly, but sometimes things like that stick in your mind. Well, somebody was telling me reminded me of a illustration I had used, and again, this is a silly illustration, but you'll remember it we I like to fish. Sometimes when you go fishing you gather night crawlers, like if you're walleye fishing or something. And in order to get nightcrawlers are expensive, so in order to get them, if you wait till you have a real rainy day where the ground just saturated, you go out at night with a flashlight and you can catch them. They're on top of the ground. Now, if you went by my house and I was out with a container and a flashlight and you watch me and I'm kneeling down, crawling around, and every now and then grabbing something, putting it in a a container, you'd say, well, there's Brother Ron out catching night crawlers. But what would happen if you came by at noon? And the sun's bright, and I'm out there on the ground crawling around with a flashlight. You'd say, dummy, you don't need a flashlight. It's high noon. Let me tell you something. When Jesus Christ came into this world, it was noon. You don't need a flashlight. You don't need anything. When you have Christ, you have enough. When you have Christ, you have the light. You have the word. Uh, Let me read to you something that I put together from the titles that Jesus Christ uh, is given in the Holy Scriptures. His name is called the Word of God. To us sinners, He is the Word of life. As God's Son, He was the Word eternally with God and the Word that was God. He is the Word that In the fullness of time became flesh and dwelt among us. Thus he is the word, both as the Son of God and as the Son of Man. He is the truth, the true witness, the wisdom of God. In him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is the counselor, the messenger of the covenant, the apostle and high priest of our profession. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Christ is the great light, the true light, the light that shineth in the darkness, And the light that was the light of men. He is the light of the Gentiles. And the light that shineth upon every man that cometh into the world. He is the morning star. He is the son of righteousness. Come with healing in his wings. He is God manifest in the flesh. The brightness of God's glory. The express image of his person. He that has seen Christ has seen the father. He is the exegesis of God. If you're familiar with the Bible, you recognize that all those titles came out of the Bible. Now, do you think the Bible would say that about Christ if he weren't enough? But how the Bible piles on uh, these expressions that tell us that Christ is enough. Through him, God spoke his final word. Through him, last of all, God sent his son. I think of Matthew 17 where you have the transfiguration of Christ and you remember there that you have Moses and Elijah and then you have Christ and his apostles and Peter gets all excited and Peter says to the Lord, uh, let let us make three little structures, three little booths where uh, Jesus and Moses and Elijah can dwell with us and the moment he said that the lights went out it was dark and when the light came back on there wasn't anybody there but jesus that is moses and elijah were gone and god the father said this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased hear him when jesus has come who else do you need to hear if all the wise men of all the ages were gathered in one place and Jesus was with them, forget all the rest. Listen to the Son. Listen to the Word. God said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear Him. When, Moses is, when Jesus is there, you don't need to hear anybody else. And there's no one else to hear after our Lord Jesus Christ. The very fact that Peter put our uh, Lord on the same level with Moses and Elijah was enough to anger the Father and turn out the lights and cause the Father to say, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Then the prophets are enough. You say, Well, Brother Ron, I, I thought you were talking about Jesus. Well, you have to understand the position of the prophets, the apostles and Old Testament prophets. Uh, The Old Testament prophets all backed up, expounded, and enforced Moses. The New Testament apostles, they were the historians of Christ, the expounders of Christ, the evangelists of Christ. And we don't put the apostles even with Christ, much less over Christ, but we recognize that the apostles are the ones who came to teach us uh, Christ And they were given perfect memory so that they could remember the things of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they defend the word of God. And we are to hear them as w- we would hear Christ for they are giving the record of Christ. Listen to a couple of verses where it talks about the apostles and prophets. In Isaiah 8 verse 19 Verse 19 and 20 it says and when they shall say unto you seek unto them that have familiar spirits and unto the wizards that peep and mutter shall not God seek uh, shall not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead to the law and to the testimony if they speak not according to this word it is because there is no light in them. Here there's people that want to hear from the dead. Why would you want to hear from the dead when you can hear from one who rose from the dead? Why would you want to listen to the dead when you could listen to one who is and has life? And the scripture says to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word is because there is no light in them. And then I think of 1 Corinthians 14 where Paul rebukes some people that are uh, not in gospel order. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37. Paul makes this rebuke. He says, If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandment of the Lord. There were some people that had opinions about things, and they contradicted Paul. And Paul said, if a man wants to be recognized as truly spiritual, he can do that by acknowledging that the things that, uh, that Paul wrote were the commandments of the Lord. You don't contradict an apostle. You say, why? Because he is the representative of Christ, and he received his message and his doctrine from Christ. Well, we've looked at the titles that belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, that show us that he is enough. Jesus Christ himself warned us that he is enough. Turn to the very end of the Bible, if you don't mind. Revelation 22. And I I want to point out some things to you here. The book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible. You come to the very end of the last book of the Bible. And you're dealing with John. Now who is John? He was the last apostle. I mean you get it here? John the last apostle. Revelation the last book. The message at the very end of that book. And what does he say? Verse 18 of Matthew, Revelation 22. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in the book. And if if any man shall take away the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written. Now that's a pretty stern rebuke. What do you do now you you come to the Bible you come to the last book of the Bible you come to the last apostle who's still alive John and you come to the very end of that book and Jesus Christ speaks and what does he say don't you add to it don't you take away from it you leave it just like it is and so we are sternly warned now people have tried to evade the force of that verse by going to one of the Old Testament books where there's a verse that sounds a whole lot like this. It's saying, don't take away from the words of Moses. And they say, you see, that doesn't really mean what you're saying it means because uh, there were prophets that came after Moses. But you have to understand this. The finality of Moses was relative. He was a type of Christ. The finality of Jesus is absolute. To add to the scripture would be to add to Christ. None add to Christ. Let me make a statement that may shock you, and then we'll take a few moments and we'll explain it. None add to Christ. You say, what do you mean when you say that? The apostles don't add to Christ. The Holy Spirit does not add to Christ. The Bible does not add to Christ. Now let me show you what I mean. John 14 and verse 26, Christ is speaking to his apostles uh, as he's come to the very end of his earthly ministry and he's going to uh, soon be crucified. And he's talking to them, preparing them for his departure. In 1 Corinthians 14, or in John, rather, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 26, he says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, he he says to the apostles, he says, the Holy Spirit is coming. And when he comes, he's going to teach you all things. Now, what did Christ mean by that? Did he mean the Holy Spirit was going to teach the apostles things that he himself had not taught? No, he, he explains what he means in verse 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And then what are those all things? And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The all things that, Paul, that John, the apostle, and the rest of the apostles were going to teach were not new things. But there were things they'd heard Christ say and uh, things that they were given memory uh, of. So again, the apostles did not add to Christ. We see this in John 16, verse 13 and 14. It, in verse 14, he shall glorify me, talking about the Holy Spirit. He would guide him into all truth. How, how's he going to do that? He shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. In other words, he's going to take the things of Christ and reveal it uh, to the apostles. In verse 13, howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Now, notice, how is he going to guide the apostles into all truth? For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, he will show you things to come. And so the Holy Spirit is not coming to speak independently of Christ, but to take the things of Christ and reveal them uh, to the apostles. In John 17, the great high priestly prayer, John 17, verse 8, For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. Now, where did the word come from? The Father. How did Christ get it? The Father gave it unto him. And he gave the word unto the apostles. In other words. The Bible. Is not over Christ. The Bible is the word that Christ gave to the apostles. The word came from him. You see the same thing in verse. 14. I have given them thy word. The world has hated them because they are not of the world. And then. Also, verse 20, neither pray I for these alone, but for them which shall believe on me through their word. You know, that verse there seems to be teaching clearly that you have two classes of Christians. The apostles, which received the word from Jesus, and all the rest of us that are saved through hearing the word of the apostle that was brought by the Holy Spirit. And so none add to Christ. The apostles were not taught by the Holy Spirit things that they did not learn from Christ. But think about this. Can you mention one doctrine that did not originate with Jesus? He's the author and finisher of our faith. Who taught us to carry out the Great Commission? Christ did. Who taught us uh, about the Lord's Supper? Christ did. Who taught us? about justification by faith and how to be saved and have eternal life. Who talked to us about the Antichrist? All of those things originated with Christ. I I say again, and perhaps you have not thought of this, but every doctrine that the apostles taught was first taught by Jesus Christ and was brought to their memory by the Holy Spirit. And so when you say the Bible's not enough, You're not adding to just the apostles. You're not adding just to the Bible. You're adding to Christ. And he is God's final word. The apostles did not come to bring new truths, but the truths that they were taught by Christ. And then the Bible is sufficient because it was given to us. Here's a scripture that you might want to memorize because it's a very important scripture, and that's in Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. Listen to this statement. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. Now the secret things belong to God. You say, Brother Ron, what are the secret things? The secret things are the providences of Almighty God. And those things belong to God. God does not explain his providence. You say, Brother Ron, what's what's going to happen tomorrow? Ask me Tuesday. (laughs) The secret things belong to God. People ask me, they say, why did that happen, Brother Ron? I've got an answer I don't know you don't know you know what we're supposed to you say I'm gonna do this or that tomorrow you didn't say what you were supposed to say you were supposed to say the Lord willing you don't know what you're going to do tomorrow you may be in heaven tomorrow we don't know the secret things belong unto the Lord You know, that's why God was angry at Job's friends, because they thought they could explain the providence of God. But that belongs to the Lord. He doesn't explain it to us. But notice, but the things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of his law. So the secret things, the the interpretation of providence, those things belong to God. But what's revealed, the the word of God, that belongs to us. And we have that so that we and our children uh, can do all the words of this law. And then the Bible is enough because it's good for us. You know, people are enamored with feeling like they're a prophet. And they have the power to say things. Well, let me tell you something. There is a sense in which I have a privilege greater than any of the prophets or apostles because I've got the whole word here. How they would have cherished the word of God had they had, but I've got the whole book. And... uh, God has given it to us as a guide for the Christian life. You know, I think of how the Bible can bring about maturity. You've heard me say this before. One of the things, and pastors have to deal with this, somebody will come and they'll say, uh, Preacher, God told me to leave the church. And the first thing that always goes on in my mind, how come he didn't tell you to be faithful when you were in the church? I mean, you got to do what he said now, but you weren't worried about it last week. You know, many people use this idea that I'm inspired as an excuse to avoid maturity. You know, if you have problems in the church, you, you need to talk and come to an understanding and. Uh, Not avoid maturity by just saying, God told me. I I notice that usually when somebody says, God told me, they're getting ready to do something foolish. We have something. We have a more sure word of prophecy. We have the Holy Scriptures. When you study history and read biographies, the things that you see is that those that lived beautiful Christian lives, those that had maturity, those that were fruitful, they were people who spent their life in the Word of God, just as uh, the first psalm said, Blessed is the man that delights in the law of the Lord day and night. And so may God help us to have a true spirituality, to study the Holy Scriptures, to acknowledge the things that are the Word of God, to see Christ and learn of Him in the Holy Bible. You know, this is a problem with American Christians. We take so many things for granted. The most valuable thing you have is this book. And you ought to read it every day. You ought to pray over it. You ought to read it in the morning, meditate on it at night. You say, well, Brother Ron, why many times do people not find the word of God to be enough? I think it's a lack of zeal. You know, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And as a man after God's own heart, there was two things that David loved. He loved the word of God and he loved the house of God. And how we need to love God's holy word. He said, thy word is better unto me than thousands of silver and gold. All the gold that David could have amassed did not mean to him what the Bible meant. And so we need to be zealous. You say, Brother On, I wanna know the the will of God for my life. I wanna do the will of God for my life. Well, the first thing you need to do is love the Holy Scripture and obey the Holy Scripture. I I think of years ago I was on the radio here two and a half years. I was on five times a week and it was kind of a strange story when I moved here in that direction there. Every time I'd look there I felt like there's something I'm supposed to be doing there. And that feeling would not leave. Finally I found there was a Christian radio station down that direction and so We talked about it as a church, and we weren't sure we had the money. One of the members said, well, let's just trust God and do it anyway, and we did. And we were on the radio there two and a half years. You say, do you have a lot of good experiences, and a lot of people call and seem to be blessed? Yes. Now, we really don't know what God did or accomplished. He knows that. But you say, Brother Ron, what about that business that you've every time you looked in that direction you felt like you were supposed to do something was that God speaking to you well here's the thing you have to understand God had already said go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature you can't take the gospel to the wrong address you know I mean it's not like oh I might preach to somebody that not supposed to hear. We're to preach the gospel to every creature. So when we voted to do that, we were just voting to do what the Bible told us to do already anyway. Now you say, you think that was the Lord laying that on your heart? I think it was. But even if it wasn't, maybe I just had too much pizza the night before. But even if it wasn't, I was doing And you were doing what God told us to do in his word. Now, my point is is this. Several times in my life, I've had burdens come on me to pray for certain people. And I've seen some people healed in a a marvelous way. But sometimes I had the same feeling and they died. What I'm saying to you is that impressions are not bad if they don't contradict the Bible, but only the Bible is inspired. George Whitfield, and I don't know of a greater preacher, a man more used of God than George Whitfield. He had a baby boy, and the baby boy got sick. And George Whitfield fasted and prayed. He came out one day and he said, God has told me that He's going to heal my boy and that also he'll be a great preacher. A few days later, the baby died. What did George Whitfield learn? He learned that the only inspired word is here. Now, again, I'm not saying that the Lord never burdens our heart and so on, but I'm saying that the Bible alone is the inspired word of God. Is the Bible enough? Let me tell you, it it is enough. The Bible is the word that came to us through Jesus Christ. The Bible is the word about Christ. And we think of the great pains that God took, the apostles that were able to be inspired and their memory uh, be so enforced that... uh, The word of God was able to be written by them and explained by them God has taken great pains to give us the inspired word and it is enough I wish I had another hundred years to preach the Bible every time I've ever preached through a book of the Bible as soon as I get done I think I'd like to preach the book again maybe I could do it justice this time around But here's the thing, if I had a thousand years, the Bible would still be enough. And throughout eternity, we'll be in the presence of Jesus Christ, the Word. And we'll learn and thank God for this holy Bible. Thank God that it was enough for our salvation and enough for us to serve the Lord. Okay, musicians.